welcome to this English episode of the Metaverse Cast. In this episode, I talk to Philip Ruffini, former product manager at Microsoft and growth consultant for the carbon neutral blockchain NIA. A few months ago, Philip started his own project called Web3 Adventure Time, which aims to educate people on Web3 and blockchain by using a quest structure and of course as an old Dungeons and Dragons player you know that piqued my interest. We had a talk about blockchains and the many things you need to consider when you're getting started working with Web3 and blockchain technology. Philip has a lot of knowledge on blockchains and Web3 and I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode. If you are interested in learning more about blockchains and how to get started I recommend checking out Philip's project, Web3 Adventure Time. It's a great resource for people who want to learn more about the technology. And the link to his Notion site is in the show notes. Hey, Philip. Thanks for uh, coming on. Yeah, of course, Jasper. Thank you for having me. Uh, first, tell us a little bit, you know, where you are at the moment, why, and and uh, what is it that, that, uh, that you're working on? Yeah, so my name is Philip Rapini. I'm currently located in Beijing, China, which is an interesting place to be right now. Um, I'm currently here in a group of about 120 people for a master's program called the Shores and Scholars at Tsinghua University. And it's focused on bringing people from all over the world to just learn more about China, less so focused on academics, more on networking. Um, outside of this, I currently do product and growth consulting and then working on my own Web3 and crypto educational platform called uh, Adventure Time with the whole purpose of teaching people about Web3 by doing and taking action versus just watching YouTube videos, TikToks, or reading Twitter threads. Cool. So, uh, so yeah, tell me a little bit about uh, Adventure Time. Yeah, so uh, ended up getting the idea because I was doing growth consulting for Near Protocol and working for their ecosystem companies. And while I was doing that, a friend of mine kept asking me for Web3 resources. And I, one, didn't really have anything good to send to him. And two, uh, I personally didn't really buy into everything until I started, you know, like playing around and seeing how easy it was to just move money, sign into different applications, and just like the little tiny things that are just so much better. And uh, I gave him a to-do list. And I was like, you know, like go buy Solana, send it to like, this wallet, go to this protocol and take all these steps. Uh, and he appreciated that a whole lot more. Um, and that's not necessarily, I think, the best path for someone to start. Um, but I wanted to start teaching people by showing them like very safe guide rails and on like actionable steps to take. That way they would feel more comfortable taking it on their own. Because most people don't really get that far by just watching a YouTube video. So essentially, I wanted to create a path that was like, you know, this is how you create a wallet. This is the first thing you do. This is the second and giving them steps to start within the different ecosystems. And I was just looking at the at the link uh, to Adventure Time and you use uh, Notion. Yeah. So right now it's just like a Notion doc uh, currently working on a static of a version of a website. And then after that will be an interactive version. Okay. Um, yeah, I've, I've really recently uh, started using Notes, Notion myself, 
uh, it's, it's pretty cool. I like that, you know, you can access it in so many different ways. That makes it very easy. You know, I come from Evernote. I've been using that for years. Uh, and I find that, you know, there's, there's a little bit flow inhibiting uh, notion is, is definitely, uh, you know, a little bit more open. But also sometimes, you know, you can do like a ton of stuff, which means that it can also be a little bit confusing. But but I, I look through your stuff and it... Um, it looks cool. You know, the first thing I checked out was the Nia protocol. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So a friend of mine was hired to do growth at Nier and essentially needed help uh, with a conference. So what I did with a small team is uh, we helped put together a growth marketing conference for Nier protocol. Um, so essentially, I helped a lot of the Nier ecosystem companies within Nier in terms of marketing and growth. Um, and we tried to match them with other growth marketers to help grow their products. Uh, but I that, that I, I personally like Nier just because I think it's a bit more usable than other platforms. Uh, they have a really, really robust developer program. Uh, I mean, and I think it's some of the tiny things with these blockchains. Like when you create a Nier wallet, you name it. So I have philtrafini.nier. And a lot of the other ecosystems, it's just harder for users to onboard. And I think those are going to make change, like a uh, little bit different, little differences uh, over time. So what, what is Near for people who don't know that? Yeah, so Near Protocol is a layer one blockchain. Uh, it'd be comparable to something like Ethereum and Solana. Uh, they're one of the first blockchains to implement sharding and they're kind of like a generation two uh, blockchain that went with proof of stake uh, right away where Ethereum is transferring from proof of work to proof of stake. Yeah, so... And I know the, the, the main issue in this space is that there are so many different like crazy words and and uh, terms being thrown around. So I feel like, uh, and I'm not even sure that, you know, I could explain it uh, completely simple, you know, proof of work and proof of stake. And, uh, but if we just like, you know, quickly just, you know, what is proof and stake and what is, what is, uh, what is sharding and, and why is that cool? Yeah, so uh, proof of work is essentially with block transactions on the blockchain, uh, you basically have to like confirm them. So with proof of work, you're solving complex math problems. Uh, with proof of stake, you're using other kind of ether on Ethereum to uh, validate those transactions. And then the problem is with like, you know, big blockchains like Ethereum, you're processing transactions one by one. Um, with sharding, it's a bit more complex and it tries to essentially, you know, process small portions of the blockchain at different times and then merge them into one. Uh, so it's essentially a scalability solution to be able to process more transactions. Is that uh, a little bit like uh, BitTorrents was back in the day or, you know, is that a bad comparison? I don't know enough uh, about BitTorrent to be able to make that comparison. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, def I guess that's from a, a different age uh, but it's like peer-to-peer -peer sharing and uh, you know if you download a file you download it from like 20 different people and it, it kind Got of it. Uh, you know it collects everything into and, and everything it, it like bits every byte is validated and, and eventually you get the complete file yeah I, I think it's similar um I personally try to focus a lot on the surface level of everything and not necessarily the technical. And I think the reason for that is because a lot of these, and this is what I've personally seen, a lot of these layer one chains 
you know, or blockchains, everything are making all of these claims. Like, you know, we can do this many transactions. We can do this. Our gas fees are this. And most of the time it's wrong. Like, uh, I think a really good example I saw recently was, you know, Cardano, I think is a layer one blockchain that is massively overvalued. And they're, they just launched their first centralized exchange, Sunday Swap in January. And the amount of transactions they were processing on their test net, so kind of like, you know, in practice mode versus the main net when it launched was drastically different, right? Okay. So I think a lot of these claims are essentially like necessarily either over-exaggerated or just altogether invalid. Um, so I, I think we're still really early. Um, you know, Ethereum 2 is supposed to come out this summer. And there are as already discussions are, will it break or not, you know? And we, we don't know. So any promises that Ethereum's making, we, we don't actually know the answer to, um, because a lot of this stuff is so new. Um, I look at all of these things as experiments, as in we don't really know what's gonna work, but I've seen enough really, really cool things that I am bought into the ecosystem and an idea of everything for the long run. But trying to pick, you know, the next Google, Facebook or Microsoft now, I think is, you know, just way too early. Like AOL still went pretty much bankrupt almost. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think it's too early to tell, you know, like Cosmos, for example, is something that I've been trying to learn a lot more about lately. And I've become way more bullish on that relative to other solutions. Yeah, and you used another popular term there, bullish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in your words, can you, can you kind of, you know, what, what does that mean? Uh, bullish, I mean, just like overall optimistic that people are going to use that solution, you know. So I am bearish on Cardano as uh, an ecosystem because I just think they're super far behind. Their market cap is like top five or six, but the like amount of applications built on it, the amount of developers I know that are building on it and are interested is virtually like zero. Um, and I think what a lot of people in the space don't realize, and I'm not saying Cardano necessarily does this, but it's very easy to fake transactions. And these chains are incentivized to do that because if they can, you know, one, the fraud's most likely not going to be proven. And if they're able to pump their market cap for a little bit, they can then sell their treasury, raise money and keep working. Um, and I am like, I would not be surprised if a lot of chains do that, uh, because right now there is no regulation or oversight and, uh, there's a ton of exaggerating in the space. And I think the best way to find that out is a lot of these layer one blockchains like um, Cardano, for example, because I know that they do this. Uh, they, like, they'll present these ecosystem slides with all the projects building on their blockchain. Uh, but if you go through every single one of those uh, projects, the, barrier, the bar to put a logo on it is so low. Uh, like if you have a domain name, and a concept art, you can be featured on those ecosystem slides. Uh, like, I don't think it necessarily means the project is fully developed. I remember when I first started like looking into Cardano and there's a search Cardano projects. There's a medium article that's like top 10 Cardano projects. Uh, that's one of the first 10 links on Google. And uh, when that article is published, none of the projects have even launched yet. Like you couldn't use them. <laughs> so. I, I think a lot more of that is happening in this space than people realize. Yeah. Uh, and that's usually, you know, I hear that a lot, you know, especially now, uh, because there was kind of like this whole gold rush, uh, like feeling, and everybody was getting into the blockchain Web3 space. And there's a lot of people who are 
uh, innovators who, who point these things out as you do, uh, which can be confusing if you are like trying to figure out how to get in, how to create uh, something. So, so you know, what's the difference today? If you're gonna, you know, if you're looking at creating uh, something on the blockchain, I'm, you know, I categorize like NFT stuff in various categories, you know, I, I believe very much in utilities, you know, the art, the cool, the PFP stuff, it's pretty cool, you know, uh, but I'm more into like gaming NFTs and also like access uh, NFTs. So, so, you know, how would you evaluate what chain to use, you know, pros and cons if you were doing a project and does it depend on, you know, what type of project you would, you would be working on? Yeah, no, so totally think so. Um, I think there are a lot of blockchains out there now. Um, you know, there's Near, there's Solana, there's Ethereum, um, there, there, there's a bunch. So I think, and some are specializing. Like, I, I don't know, I'm not an expert on this one, but I've heard, for example, Harmony is a blockchain layer two solution. So being built on top of Ethereum and they're specializing in gaming, like DeFi Kingdoms, which is one of the biggest uh, like play to earn type games is built on Harmony. And I think a lot of people are starting to choose that for gaming. But if I was to build a project, what I think I'd look at is one um, kind of like how big is, how, how well developed is that ecosystem? You know, what's the total value locked in their decentralized finance ecosystem? How many developers are building on it? Um, you know, how many people are working on the project full time from the foundation? Uh, other things I would look at is I think depending on what stage you are, there are like phenomenal grant programs so a lot of these chains will just give you free money to uh, work on your project. So I think that's definitely something to consider. Um, you know, developer tooling, you know, how easy it is to actually build on it. Um, but probably one of the main things that I personally would look for right now is like interoperability. So, you know, if you build on Solana right now, you pretty much can only Solana users will be able to interact with your application. Uh, Solana isn't the best at being interoperable or multi-chain, right? So uh, it, it's really hard for like new money outside the Solana ecosystem to get access to whatever your game is. So that would be the main thing that I would probably look for is, you know, how easy will it be to add support for other chains and build like a cross-chain application in the future? I totally understand what you mean, but I'm not sure everybody else does. So maybe let's try as a break that down a little bit um like multi-chain what does that mean yeah i just did a video on this but uh multi-chain okay, cool. is essentially like uh multi-chain so it's really wild this is another thing that bothers me in the space you can go to three different websites and three websites will define something completely different um like I found two different sources that seem fairly credible that was like ethereum's multi-chain and someone else being like ethereum's not multi-chain um, but to me, I think what it is, is multi-chain is supporting more than one blockchain, right? So for example, I think some of the Ohm type vehicles you can support with both Ethereum and Avalanche. Uh, but I, I think it's being able to support multiple blockchains for one project. And some chains do this better than others. Like you could argue Ethereum is multi-chain because uh, there's the Ethereum virtual machine. So it allows people to, you know, take one project on Ethereum, make it compatible with something else. Uh, and then there's other people who are more like more in favor of 
saying um, multi-chain using like the Cosmos ecosystem where Cosmos is kind of a layer zero almost and you build blockchains on Cosmos and every blockchain that is built on Cosmos is interoperable and able to work together very similar. Um, and I think it's easier to explain with this, but, and then there is cross chain, which is a bridge. So if I have assets or crypto on Ethereum and I wanna use it with Avalanche, I would use something called a bridge to move those assets. That is, you know, that is cross chain. And I think the best explanation is cross chain is a private road. There needs to be a centralized protocol like Wormhole, which is a bridge between Solana and Ethereum to move assets. Whereas multi-chain is an open road. Uh, there isn't a centralized protocol governing that movement of assets and it's just more interoperable, what which means a, being able to work with different blockchains. You know, um, I think as you say, you know, these, it's also something people, you know, if you can, you can take the same uh, uh, look and perspective on the whole metaverse conversation right you know uh, are we talking like is there one metaverse with with multiple metaverse side in it and you know what people are saying uh and the same with with the chains and interoperability is definitely uh you know something that people are looking to have what what is some cross-chain cool project that you, that you already know about cross-chain hmm. or not cross-chain but multi-chain you see, yeah. I already messed it up. Uh, yeah, no, I the entire time I was talking, I was trying not to mix the two up. Um, I don't know necessarily if I can think of anything off the top of my head. Um, I think we're still like really early in this because I believe Chainlink hasn't even you know launched their cross-chain interoperability solution. I think they're like literally testing January. So I, I personally think we're like, my personal opinion is that I'm very short-term bearish, meaning that I think the crypto market is in bubble. It's way overhyped. People don't realize the amount of fraud and exaggerating going on. Uh, I think three to five years from now, maybe 10, we're going to see some really, really cool projects. And I think my friends who are currently raising seed rounds right now and, you know, have, which means they've raised like two, $3 million for their startup, um, their team of like five to 10 people. Uh, I think they're experimenting a lot. And I think in three to five years, they're going to have really, really cool companies. And that's when I think we're going to see a lot more like cross-chain solutions like uh for example, a company I'm invested in is building a uh, is building a UFC fighting like game. So you pretty much wear sensors on your wrists and ankles, and it teaches you how to like fight, uh, like you know UFC box. So they want to be kind of like the peloton of UFC and boxing, and essentially they're going to build a Web three game where there is a championship belt built on the blockchain. And whoever is the winner will have that belt. Um, so that is something that I think will be out in like three to five years and will be a really cool use case for a lot of these things. And and what chain is that? You know, what are they building that on? They are currently figuring that out. And that is the text message I actually got this morning being, Philip, what is your recommendation? Uh, and they were looking at Near and Harmony as a solution. Okay. Uh, and my advice to them would ultimately be, you know, I, I it, it, nobody really knows the answer here, um, but it's looking at what's going to be the most compatible. Um, I think advantageously, who's going to give you a lot of money to build on their chain, depending on who you are and will that help? You know, if someone's going to give you $5 million and it's eventually, 
you know, you eventually can support Ethereum, like that's the idea. Yeah. Or eventually support other chains. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that. But yeah, that is, and I think the obvious or the, the, the thing lurking in, in, the, in the back of people's head here is, you know, what is the consequences of picking the wrong chain at this point of time? Or what will be the consequences if you make the wrong pick? So I, I don't, I, I think what is interesting is the amount of data that happens on chain versus off chain. So I think the consequences are bigger. If you develop an application and all of the data is on chain and then people stop using that chain, it, you can't really, I, you might be able to port that data. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think that makes it a whole lot harder, right? You know, if you're just using sign in for Ethereum, but then all of the data for your application is happening off chain and just stored in a regular server. Um, I think like that would be pretty easy, right? I mean, if you look at it, you know, Ohm, which is, was trying to build the reserve currency of the internet was giving like 10,000% interest rates. You know, there was a million forks of it on every other chain within like a month. So it, it isn't that hard to fork projects to other chains. Um, it also depends on the language, right? Like if you're going from Solidity to Rust, like do your developers know that? Uh, so I think there's a whole lot of factors that influence that outcome. And uh, you mentioned another, another word there, you know, what is, uh, what is forking? Oh, forking is uh, when you take an existing project and you basically duplicate it. Um, so you copy the code base, change it. So for example, Ethereum and Ethereum Classic are a fork of each other. Some developers wanted to go in a different direction. So there was a split of Ethereum and now there are two existing code bases of Ethereum. So, so basically forking that relates to blockchains. So, you know, you fork one chain into two chains and, you know, so forth, or how does that work? Correct. So you would copy all the historic data of one chain um, to a duplicate copy, and then there would be going forward, there'd be two different chains. To me, that seems a little bit complicated in since it's on the blockchain you know where, where everything is distributed uh, on maybe like thousands of uh, computers around the world uh you know uh, you know yeah let's let's not get into a technical rabbit hole here but i just think that's a little bit interesting you know how do you actually do that uh but you know i guess you know that's, that's going to be developers who know that i think forking also means different things to different people you know yeah. like you can fork a blockchain you can fork a project and those it's kind of used as a verb and i think the best way to think about it is you know just to split off in a different direction so if you fork a project you are now creating a duplicate of it and going in a different direction than the original yeah I used to, uh, you know, work a lot with the uh, WordPress sites and the, uh, you know, themes where you make a child, you know, there's a little bit like forging, uh, and then you just take, uh, you know, the original, the good stuff from the original, and you you kind of build further on that. Um, all right, uh, you know, we talked, you you talk, you mentioned gaming projects and chains. You know, I'm looking into, you know, I'm probably going to be involved in some access projects uh, soon. So I'm curious, you know, if, if you're doing like an access, you know, I, I come from an online marketing, online course, uh, you know, uh, background, and I've already seen people are starting to sell access to you know, like these kind of information products as NFTs. Uh, we also saw, you know, 
there was not direct access, but Super Bowl, you know, they did their NFT, but there was like, you, you got your seat as a, uh, like as a token, as a collectible, right? So you could, uh, but but if you're doing like an access project, uh, you know, what would you be looking for in terms of uh, blockchains to work with right now and why? What do you mean an access project? That means like if you buy the NFT, you get access to like an online course or maybe like a concert or something like that. Oh, gotcha. So I actually don't believe the blockchain matters. Um, I think it actually, um, there's a lot of like centralized solutions coming out right now for like DAO tooling. And I, I think it's more about verifying that the NFT is in your wallet, right? Like, so if you want access Let's say that access NFT gives you access to a Discord. Um, yeah. I don't believe, and I might be wrong here, that the type of NFT matters. It's more about the verification that NFT is in your wallet. You own it to get access to that Discord. Um, that'll be a uh, secondary solution. Uh, there is a uh, company on the tip of my tongue that is doing this really well, and they're uh, pretty far along. Um, I, if I remember it, we'll come back to it. But essentially, there's a lot of like startups working on tooling for different groups to be able to build this. Yeah. And I, that's something, you know, uh, we've discussed in my network as well. You know, how, how, how important is the blockchain technology in the NFT technology? Uh, because, and that also depends on how we look at blockchain, you know, because if the decentralized like principle is important okay then then block uh, blockchain is a thing but if in your you know people use the word ecosystem but you know in, in your you know business or you know with your audience if the decentralization is not really you know an issue then you don't need a blockchain you just need a, a you know the nft technology built on you know, yeah, like a centralized uh, solution because it is all about maybe the verification. Uh, I think it depends. Um, I think it depends who you're talking to. I think the problem, I, I think you do need to decentralize. I don't like the word decentralization, to be honest. I like the word like democratization instead of, because I think it's about inclusivity, right? So let's say uh, you build uh uh, a centralized solution that does verification for that discord, right? I, I think the core principles like democratization, whereas you can't sell that membership now. So what I think is really cool uh, about blockchain is that, you know, so let's say you have that NFT and it grants you membership to your discord. You can do whatever you want with that, that NFT. You can move it to a different wallet. You can move it to, you know, you can use the MetaMask wallet. You can use uh, the rainbow wallet, you can move that NFT between either of them and you can sell it on OpenSea, you could sell it on Rarible, you could sell it on whatever NFT platform you want. You could have someone hand you cash and you transfer it to their wallet. Um, it, it's yours, right? But if you do that and then that NFT grants you access to the community, let's say that software that grants you access now actually gives you permission you no longer own that right to be in that Discord, that centralized solution and that community does. You can't really sell it. Um, and if you can sell it, you can only sell it using that software, right? Because it's now creating a constrained ecosystem um, where, you know, and, and it just makes it harder, right? And therefore it actually makes it less valuable because the total market size of who can purchase that and where you can sell it is lower. If I can only sell, 
you know, an item in my community versus could sell it to the entire world, you know, that is just supply and demand, right? And if there is less people that are able to buy it, it's not going to be worth as much. And the best analogy that I think describes like why some NFTs are so expensive is if I have a Lamborghini, uh, only the people that see me drive that Lamborghini know I have one, which is like a pretty small group of people. Uh, but if I have a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT, the entire world knows I have a Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT. And the idea of premium luxury goods having value to show status has been around with humans and society pretty much forever. And that, that, that it just becomes so much powerful where I recently saw a tweet being like the new Rolex is an Apple smartwatch, an Apple watch with a board ape yacht club NFT is the background. Right. And that it, it makes it more valuable is my main point. Yeah. I, I, I agree with your point there. Um, but some, you know, in, let's look at the case of the, like the, uh, was the Super Bowl NFTs, right? You know, I can't remember what chain they actually built on, but it's the I'm same. I'm pretty sure they were on Polygon. Is that on Polygon? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Which is still like a big, because, you know, that, that thing, you can sell it to the entire world. You know, that, you know, then things kind of need to be multi-chain because otherwise it's not the entire world. It's only the people who are in that ecosystem. And that's, that speaks into okay then if you're if you're building something that you want to be valuable as a collectible you kind of need to build it on the biggest ecosystem right I, i yeah totally agree with you um the future i envision is it's not going to matter like nobody so talking to uh friends of mine that are vcs and look at early stage companies a lot um they've already told me six from about six to 18 months from now we're going to have absolutely no idea what chain we're even using when using applications. And I think that is what the world we're going to be on. So you're going to get that Super Bowl NFT and it's not going to matter. And, you know, OpenSea, it's not going to be just Ethereum or just Polygon. Uh, it's going to be all of them. And the user isn't going to be able to tell the difference. And I, I, am, I don't know how that happens. I am just out of the belief that there are enough smart and ambitious people and enough money in this space that it'll get figured out. Because the idea that really excites me about this space is uh, let's use the board API club as an example. Um, the board, I, I couldn't find the article on this, but I swear I saw it. Um, I think it makes sense anyway, but the board API club eventually is going to give all their NFT holders 3D models of their board apes. So the future I envision is that when you use different applications and you use different games in the air quotes metaverse, uh, you're going to be able to use that profile pick NFT across every single application. And you're going to be able to choose your character that you want to use across all these different worlds that are interconnected. And that's going to expand, you know, to like business data as well as data transfers from different applications so much better. Um, and that that is the world I see. And I think that's like 10 to 20 years away. Um, but I, I i think it's the classic innovator's dilemma where it doesn't make sense for big companies to switch to it now. Um, but uh, we, we're seeing the same thing. We're like, one of my proudest moments is about like, um, about eight months ago, I started telling everyone like gaming is going to be the next big wave and like crypto and web three. 
And uh, I'm an investor in the company Alchemy, which does blockchain developer tools. And I sent them text messages in the fall being like, you should build developer tools for gaming because this is going to be huge. And now that's what everyone is talking about. And I think it's because we're following the same trend of the internet and adoption of every other new technology, which is, you know, it's pretty cool at first. And it's just like fun, which was the internet, those cell phones, those smartphones. It like wasn't really necessary for most use cases, but it had one really strong use case. And then games is the one thing that like gets the adoption first. Like when I think back to being a kid, I first started using the computer to play games. I used to buy time playing video games on my mom's like pin pad cell phone. And then apps were mostly games at first on the iPhone. And I think we're seeing that same thing within like Web3. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. And, uh, and, and I think, you know, definitely interoperability was also what got me into uh, NFTs in the first place. Um, and, and that was like early, yeah, that was actually after Beeple did his whole, you know, sale, you know, that, that popped NFTs up on, on my radar. Um, but I've heard a lot of gamers, a lot of developers, you know, definitely in the, in the gaming space talk about uh, interoperability is probably one of the most difficult uh, uh, problems, you know, Maybe it's not as hard with an avatar, right? You know, like, a, you know, some kind of representation that follows, but still you, you need to kind of translate, you know, from, from like, a, like a high uh, definition game to, to like a Roblox uh, type of thing, you know, that there needs to be some kind of thing, which people say is harder than you think. So I, I definitely think you're right when we was like, this is probably like 10 to 20 years out. Uh, b- before they figure that out. And I think the main roadblock is that all the big companies right now are trying to like build the protocols. You know, I saw like an illustration the other day, like a simple one where it's like two, two uh, developer types, they were they were thinking, hey, there's 14 uh, protocols, you know, that, that, that doesn't really work. You know, let, let's, let's sit down and, and, and make a protocol that the, uh, that kind of covers all the other protocols. And then like the final picture was like, okay, now there's 15 protocols. So, so I think we're going to go through kind of like a, uh, like a uh, VHS uh, Betamax uh, war or, or Blu-ray versus uh, HD DVD war before we, uh, we, we get close to this uh, interoperability uh, like concept. What's your yeah, thoughts no. on that? I, I think it's definitely like pretty far away. Um, I'm not technical enough to tell you how hard or easy it is. Um, my general view, and I had this discussion with someone earlier, is that it objectively ma- makes way more sense for the user, right? And uh, you know, it could be like, why would Microsoft want to display a board ape in their video game, or why would they want to be interoperable with other games? And right now, they don't, you know, because like would not make them enough money. Um, but if I'm a game developer and I want to bootstrap a user base for my game, starting from scratch is really hard. But if I can piggyback off an existing one and be like, hey, guys, you can play my game and you can use all the other items and skills and characters that you earned in that game. And you can just bring them over to mine, which is slightly different. Uh, you can do that. And it starts really small. Right. And once you have one win, you have another and you, and it just starts piggybacking each other until you have an ecosystem so large you can't ignore. And that is literally the definition of the innovator's dilemma by Hayden Christensen, which is this idea that the reason startups win is because their growth in the beginnings 
is so small that it doesn't matter. You know, let's say this market right now is only, you know, 50 million, $100 million. Uh, it doesn't really make sense for Microsoft to go after because being a former Microsoft product manager, Microsoft will not go under, go after any opportunity that doesn't make them at least a hundred million dollars per year because it doesn't add to their market cap. Right. But for a startup, they capture 5% of that. That's a big deal. And we're just going to continuously see that growth. And that's really what I'm excited for, because I think it's just going to completely change like the way that face the face of the way things are now. Like if you look at how fast the space is moving, um, I, I just think objectively using stable coins as payment is a way better solution than the way money is currently moved. Um, for me to, you know, move money, like get paid by someone, have it settle in my bank account, transfer it to my brokerage account, buy a stock. And then let's say I need that money. So I sell the stock and move it back to my bank account. That is literally like a two week process. And with crypto, I can do that in like less than an hour. Um, and that just objectively is such a better experience that it makes sense to move towards that technology. And I think it's similar to like, you know, uh, phones at first weren't maybe necessarily better than like letters, but there was like one core use case. I don't, I don't think that was the best example I just gave, but I hope you understand my point where if you have one objectively better use case, then I think you can really, it, it makes sense to spend time in that to make it better in other areas as well. Yeah, I, I, I very much agree. Uh, and, and, and it's also like the startup indie space, you know, that's that's what I've been in to, you know, for, for 20 years. I used to work with crowdfunding and, and all that kind of stuff. I think that's, that's always been super interesting. Uh, and eventually, you know, the big companies, you know, they will follow when, it has matured enough so that, as you say, that there's a, you know mainstream um, adoptability, if 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 that's a word, um, and that that's totally right. You know, I wanna I wanna like turn back a little bit to Adventure Time uh, because one of the things that you know I've seen a few of these like uh, like collections of information around the Web three uh, space. And one of the things I think about is in the super early days of the internet, you know, where you had stuff like, you know, one side you had uh, Google on the other side, you had Yahoo, where Yahoo was like categorizing all the information, putting stuff in buckets and Google was just like, okay, everything is in one bucket and we just do search in, in that bucket. Um, what's your thoughts on that in terms, because the thing with buckets is that, you know how it is, you put something, you, you create a folder structure on your, on your computer and then you figure out, okay, what's the, you know, which folder did I put my thing in, you know, and I, and that's the, an issue I see with Notion as well is like, it, it can kind of grow to a level where it's no longer really useful because there's so much information in so many different categories. So it can be hard to find, you know, uh, is that something you've considered? Yeah. So the way that I think about it is, um, there, there's really no one right solution to teach people about this space. And like we talked about earlier, you can use the definition of how do you define metaverse to quickly realize that everyone thinks about things differently and everyone has different preferences. So uh, I personally just have my own way of teaching. So I created one main adventure. And the goal of that is to just uh, open people's eyes to like, you know, what is this space gonna look like and what is currently happening? And I don't think it's necessarily my right or my job to be like, you know, this is what we think is going to win. 
Uh, my goal is how do I expose people to all of the information that allowed me to come to the conclusions that I came to? And, and that's what I'm hoping to achieve, right? You know, there's some basic fundamentals people need to understand, you know, what's a wallet? Uh, I don't even think you need to know how blockchains work. You, I, you really don't. Um, I think it's a waste of time for 99% of people that are going to use it. Uh, but you need to know what a wallet is. Uh, you need to know what, like, understand what Ethereum is. You don't necessarily even need to understand what a layer two is versus layer one, um, because they're both just blockchains. And uh, so it's explaining those terms that I think you need to understand, like what's a decentralized exchange? I think that is super important. And I think how you can leverage a lot of the decentralized finance tools is really important. And that that is what I'm hoping to teach people. And then from there, uh, it'll be up to them to self-explore. One of the paths I really want to go down is I think a big problem right now with crypto is like, it's like, oh, if you want to learn about it, it's like, all right, go start by buying X. And I think that's objectively wrong that we shouldn't have to teach people by having them buy things to start. So what I want to do is build out um, paid sponsorship learning where it's like, you know, if you complete this adventure, you get $10 in X cryptocurrency, very similar to cryptocurrency, like uh, very similar to Coinbase Earn. And I want to be able to do that to basically give people who don't necessarily want to invest money in this. I think you dropped out. Oh, all right. You said, uh, the last thing you said was to, I want to give that to people who don't necessarily want to invest money in the space. Yeah. So that, that, that's, that, that's about it. Uh, some people like can't afford it and i want to make sure everyone has an opportunity to learn by doing yeah it's, i you know i, I used to play dungeons and dragons and stuff like that so uh, you know the word adventure you know has my curiosity so basically the way you structured the information on adventure time is like like what is it you know quests and you know how how's that work yeah so there's three different categories uh, one is guides. So guides is just information. So intro to Web3, intro to decentralized finance, intro to NFTs, intro to DAOs. You know, what does the future of blockchains look like? So those are just guides, just information. Uh, takes a few minutes to read each one. Then there is adventures. And those are a combination of information and steps. So, you know, in, like intro to near protocol is like, what is near protocol? Okay, how to create a wallet on near. All right, how to buy an NFT on Near, how to use the decentralized finance platforms on Near, um, and then creating those for the different ecosystems, and then like side quests. So side quests would be more just like one page of you know how do you stake Ohm on the Ohm DAO. You know that would be an example of a side quest, and those are the three categories that I've uh, done. And then what I do is um, if you go to Web three web3techs.com, um, pretty much, I send out three text messages every single week about Web3. So Monday, you get a concept explained to you. Wednesday, you get a new project. And then Friday, you get a current event or additional resource, whatever I found really insightful of that week, but usually a current event. Cool. Yeah, so, and that, I, I noticed that, and that is, uh, you know, if you're in the US, right, you can get those messages, yeah. So if you're in the US, you can get the text messages. If you're international, uh, we have a Telegram group that you get the same messages in every day. Yeah, actually, I joined your Telegram group last night. <laughs> yeah. 
looking forward to follow that. I really like the idea of you know structuring uh, information as an adventure like that. I also like your point of view where you know it's 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 very very difficult in this space to say okay this is what you need to learn this is the right stuff and and then then your approach is like okay if you you know if you want to follow in my tracks this is this is you know the path i've laid out um for you and then laying it out as an adventure um i think that's that's a that's a very cool approach you know can you tell me about you know what happened and what's the situation when you came up with that idea Oh, uh, yeah. So it was literally my friend, as I mentioned earlier, was just asking for Web3 resources and I sent him a to-do list. And then talking to other people in the space, that's what they typically do as well. Uh, they send to-do lists, like, you know, go buy Polygon, send it to this wallet, go do this. And I, I think that's the best way to teach people. Because uh, for me, it didn't really click until I took like $1,000 of Ethereum and started playing different video games. And I was playing different games. I was like, this is this is so cool. Like, just moving like just moving between the different applications where you know if you have your ethereum wallet and as soon as you get to a website you just click connect wallet and then you're signed in is just such a better experience than you know uh facebook login or google login and they're very similar right you know sign in with your ethereum wallet versus sign in with google versus facebook is very similar concept and idea the difference is is that no company owns the ethereum sign in and it's completely open and you can build off other applications, right? Like data, like Facebook doesn't share the data between the Facebook logins across websites, but the Ethereum sign-in, you can do that by putting it on chain or in the wallet. And I think that is just going to open up so many possibilities of building different applications. And I think about blockchains as cities and you know, every different blockchain is a different city with different cities have different specialties. Some blockchains are more towns and they only have one use case. And um, I, I think we need to build the initial infrastructure of all those cities and towns first, which are the wallets, the decentralized exchanges, uh, the bridges, uh, the interoperability of those towns. Um, but then right now it's like everyone's building their own city right now. But once the cities start communicating, it'll, it'll be really, really cool. Cool. One of the, the questions I like to ask in the end is like, what are you looking most, you know, almost I just mentioned it, but what are you looking most forward to in this, uh, in the space you're in? Um, the seamless experience, like right now on my laptop, I think I have four wallets, um, something actually I'm going to say like regulation, um, because I think right now people have a very unclear idea of how to go about about things, what can we can and can we do do not do in decentralized finance? Are tokens considered a security? And uh, I, I really want there to be more regulation in the space so people have a better idea of what is and isn't possible. Because right now, technically, this entire industry could be wiped out within the United States, at least, or you know, any other country overnight. Um, and I, I don't really want to see that because I think this is going to be one of the largest creators of wealth and wealth distribution in human history, especially with the things you can do in decentralized finance, which I'm the most excited about. Uh, so I, I hope we get to do all of those things that I want to. And I think understanding what the regulation is going to look like is the most important. Yeah, yeah I get that because every, everybody is, even though it seems like everybody is just like rushing into the space. 
but it is uh, pretty much in the back of uh, everyone's mind that uh, you know we don't know where this is going to land. You know, I, I heard uh, another podcast uh, a few weeks ago talking about uh, there was a like a guy who worked with this like incubator projects in the Web three space, uh, probably within gaming, and there was uh, you know he said that hey you know people go into jail for for this kind of, you know, people have went to Yale for, for for stuff in the crypto space. And if you want to play it safe, if you want to be like 100% that you're not doing anything wrong, don't get into the Web3 space. You know, just don't start building there because you can't promise that. You can't make that promise at the moment. Yeah, I like education because I can't mess that up. And that can't really affect me for the most part, unless, you know, the whole space goes to zero. But uh, I think you need to take bets in life and uh, the amount of innovative thoughts, I think, and things you can do in this space is like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be had. Um, so that, that is a risk I'm willing to take. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. You know, and I also think, you know, that's that's painting the picture a little dark. You know, yes, that is like in theory true, but I'm not sure that uh, you know because there's such a big movement. And I always think about things as, you know, water runs downhill and water always kind of find a way. Uh, but you're, you're right. It would be nice if we kind of knew what was up and down in, in this space and, you know, how is an NFT considered and what are the different rules? But we don't even know, you know, all the stuff you can do with an NFT yet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so, how you know, I know, I don't know if it's ever going to be, uh, you know, sorted out uh, because it seems like the technology just moves way too fast for the political system. Oh, yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, I have no idea how that will go, um, but I am, uh, I am optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, thank you very much for, for taking the time and uh you know, we're going to share everything you have to share. Definitely share your link to Adventure Time and people can dig into that um, and find all that kind of stuff in the, in the, in the show notes. Um, so thank you very much for jumping on and uh, it was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you very much for having me, Jester. All right, man. See you. All right, see ya. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. It's great to talk to somebody like Philip who knows so much about the technology. And even after the show, we briefly touched upon tokenomics, which is a completely different rabbit hole we could dive down and we'll have to do that in another episode. One of the things that I got from our conversation was that Philip said that in the future, it doesn't matter you know, which blockchain we're working on and that's something I very much agree with and I've been feeling the same thing about NFTs right now everybody's talking about NFTs but that is basically just the name of the underlying technology which for the majority of people will be irrelevant because they have some kind of um, digital asset a collectible or a ticket or you know something digital that they own and we will probably think back on it as you know we used to call these nfts and i remember you know from back in the like web one days 
you know, what stuff was called, you know, back then everybody was talking about HTML and Vusivuk, uh, <laughs> just like people uh, are talking about, uh, what's it called, Whack Me, you know, we're all going to make it today. Back then, you know, the, the new thing was Vusivuk, which means what you see is what you get, and that was basically visual uh, web editor uh, software. Uh, the first ones was like front page and then like Dreamweaver and stuff came around and nobody talks about that anymore. It's just, that's just how it is. So I think, you know, definitely, you know, it, it won't matter to the users, you know, the people who are collecting digital assets or whatnot, you know, it won't matter to them if it's called NFTs and what the blockchain is that it's on and, and things like that. Um, and I very much agree. And also I think that probably some of that is scaring people away for because it, it's like it's it's geek talk right you know right now it's there's a club of people who who, who knows they could see in the interview you know Philippi knows all the all the terms you know bearish and bullish and all these terms that that people know and that's a social mechanism that this is this is a language that we adopt so that first of all that you know we can talk together uh, but also there's trend you know if you use these words you kind of know that okay you know i'm in the crowd and i'm part of the group who knows these kind of thing which is super cool you know i use the words myself when i talk to uh, other people like that but but it is still kind of like a gate you know keeping people from getting involved you know not, not, not in a big way, but it's just like, you know, there's kind of, it is creating kind of a barrier. But it's it's always been like that with technology. So it's not something that I'm against or afraid of or anything like that. I just think that, you know, that will either become mainstream and or it will phase out and not be as interesting anymore and things like that. Uh, but the result of what we can do with the technology and how that develops in the future is going to be very very interesting and i think we probably can't imagine yet all the cool stuff that will be built on this technology in some shape or form thank you very much you can find me on linkedin on twitter wherever you want always open to suggestions if you have some alpha you want to drop to me that you want me to mention on the podcast or something like that Again, I used another word, you know, alpha. That means news about a project that is early. I guess, you know, real news, not something that everybody knows. But alpha is kind of like, you know, this is like the first, you know, you're the first person to hear about that. Um, And obviously that gets diluted by time because now everybody is dropping alpha and everybody knows about it. So it's not that alpha anymore. (laughs) But that's just fun. Okay, cool. I'm rambling. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time.